This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the voices that determine nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Welcome to the Smart Communications Podcast. I'm Sarah Durham, and I'm joined today by Vince Warren, the Executive Director of the Center for Constitutional Rights. Hi, Vince. Hey, Sarah. So, Vince, tell us a little bit about the Center for Constitutional Rights. Well, we're a litigation and advocacy organization that's been around for 50 years. And what we do is we partner with social movements and communities that are under threat, which is rare for lawyers to do. And together we work to dismantle oppression and we fight for justice. So for those of you who listen to this podcast regularly, you're probably starting to get familiar with the Center for Constitutional Rights. That's because Full disclosure, Big Duck, my company works with the center, but more so, there are so many great learnings from this organization. I've invited Vince and other colleagues at the Center for Constitutional Rights to join me for other discussions. And along the way through getting to know Vince and getting to know the center, he and I have had a series of conversations probably over years at this point about how his vision as an executive director takes shape. So I invited him on the podcast today to talk about that because it strikes me that with is it 12 years mm-hmm. as a CEO? Yeah. That that's a long journey to see what you want to do come to life. So tell us a little bit about that journey as you look back in time over those years. How did you formulate a vision and, and how do you bring it to life? Well, I started off 12 years ago. Um, I actually transitioned onto the organization from the board. And many years prior to that, I was actually a summer intern at the organization. But When I started, I was completely green. I had not run anything in my life other than cases, but I really loved, there was something that I deeply loved about the organization. And I realized maybe a few years later that I loved the organization's potential. It was bold. It is out there. It's always been pushing the envelope. And I think that's rare in nonprofits. And so as I came on board, I began to try to think about how we would lean into taking on cases before other organizations were ready to take them, how we would message so drastically that it would really garner attention. It would make people on the left feel like, yeah, that's what we think. And it would grab the attention of people in the center and on the right. So I started to try to build the organization essentially around different parts of its potential. So I started off with development. We needed more money. We needed more staff. I increased the development staff in order to have a longer-term vision of shifting the work, which had been largely human rights, Guantanamo, and building racial justice and criminal justice, which we had done for many years. And then from that point, to be able to build the communications staff to be able to not just support that work, but also to start thinking about communications as a strand of our advocacy as well. So looking back on it, it's interesting. As you're building it forward, it's nothing but worry and sweat and agita. But when you look back on it, you realize that there are some things that are so much easier to do now, that, it's, that there are places that we can get to that we just couldn't have gotten 10 years ago. And it's not just a question of resources, of financial resources. It's about how the staff thinks. It's about how the staff feels about its work. So that's been really, really rewarding. So you're describing, you know, when you talk about developing your internal capacity for fundraising or for communications, you're talking about what I think of as backstage work, you know, capacity building, infrastructure building, not necessarily fun, sexy stuff, but essential to give your team the capacity to do the front stage work, the important front stage work. Did you see the results of that quickly? How long did it take with that sort of internal capacity building before you started to begin to see the seeds of that potential getting realized? 
I saw sort of immediate improvements. I mean, I think anytime that you make a commitment to invest in administration or in development, you begin to see how things happen a little bit more easily. But, you know, the fruits don't really come until much later. Where I really saw it was as we moved to the next stage of building in more programmatic work. So we hired lawyers that were doing racial justice and criminal justice and gender justice, and then we hired advocacy staff to support them. The development structure was able to build on those things. And so as then the programmatic work started to bear fruit, I think, in terms of its own goals and to increase external interest in the organization, we then saw that we were in a good position to be able to support that. There's a cycle there where the programmatic experts, the legal experts, feed and collaborate with the development team, the communications team, who give them a lift by getting the issues out there in new and empowering ways. Exactly. And it's going to sound super corny, Sarah, super (laughs) corny. So be prepared. I'll brace myself. When I started at CCR, it was an organization that was really fueled by anger. And rightfully so. People were just pissed off at the way the world works. And what I noticed was in organizations that are fueled like that, it doesn't take much for that anger to be turned internally to the point where you really can't do much of anything. Mm. So I really started talking very clearly about how love had as much to do with what we were doing as fighting and Mm. that those things could coexist. And that so the love and the empathy that we feel towards our clients, the people that we represent right now, people that are applying for asylum and are getting turned away or people that are in solitary confinement, that can be reflected in the way that we organize ourselves and think about our work internally. Mm -hmm. And that's been really the very fun part. We have a lot more fun than we used to. We joke around a little bit, but we keep it real. And that sounds to me like that's a lot about values, identifying core values and living those values in three-dimensional ways. Yeah, definitely. Every type of organizational planning consultant, I've tried it and it's largely failed. We used to have this thing with consultants. We used to, it used to be like the beginning of Mary Poppins when the nanny comes flying out of the house and I will never work with those kids again. Every consultant was like that when they were done with us. But we actually matured as an organization. And I think if I had to come up with one thing over the 12 years is that both we within the organization really matured and the organization itself matured. We are an organization now that actually knows how to ask for help in helping us, whether it's branding or messaging or strategic planning. We actually know how to ask people for that help, and then we know what to do with it. When before, it just felt like, oh, they're just coming in and they don't know us. And consultants, and I say this speaking as one, create a lot of work for staff people. There's a lot of heavy lifting that you have to do, for sure. In the years I've known you, I've been struck by the fact that during your tenure at this organization, you've evolved the board. You know, you came in as a board member. You knew the board intimately. You've evolved the staff. Twelve years is a a long time. A lot of people leave. You've taken this organization through strategic planning, and you've built a whole new platform that is just as sort of fresh and relevant today as it was, you know, 10 years ago. So I wonder a bit about how that vision that you had 12 years ago for the potential feels today? Like, is the potential, does it shift as these things evolve or is there just a new avenue? How do you keep that fresh? Well, that's a really great question. So the potential that I saw, we are probably the most mission-y, mission-driven organization ever. Like the only thing people really care about is the mission. And we would have arguments over, are we getting there? Are we not? That kind of thing. Now that we've gotten to the place where we've built a lot, the question is what's left to build? And it's actually a fairly existential question because I don't want CCR to be so big that we can't be as agile as we need to be, that we can't move into the spaces, that we can't keep it real. 
But at the same time, I also want to be able to maximize the impact that we have. And it feels to me like there's a sweet spot that we are at that I think, you know, requires us to grow a little bit, but to probably grow our skills a little bit more than our staff and to grow the collaborative nature in which we work internally and externally. That's the places that I really want us to focus on. I often think that in any business, there are three levels at which you work as a leader. There's one level that's kind of firefighting. You know, it's just dealing with the crisis that has emerged. And probably as a new executive director, you do a lot of firefighting when you come into a a new place. The second level is optimizing. You know, we have something here. It's pretty good, but let's make it better. Let's refine it. And then the third is seed planting. What should the Center for Constitutional Rights be working on in 10 years or 20 years? What's far down the road that we need to plant some seeds for now? And I imagine at this point, you play around more in optimizing and seed planting than you do in firefighting. Oh, that's definitely true. I think I was an honorary fighter fighter um, my first <laughs> probably eight years on the job. But it is actually optimizing and seed planting. And so when you think about shifting the board, shifting the board in an organization that didn't have term limits when I started is no small feat. There are a lot of feelings that get hurt. There are a lot of questions as to whether I'm taking the organization in a place that it wasn't intended to go. All of that kind of stuff happens. And it was a combination of firefighting. You know, first, sometimes you optimize things and then the pushback, the cultural pushback is so much that you end up firefighting again. But I am thinking about seeds. I'm thinking about where do we go next? I'm actually thinking about how to set the organization up so that if I'm not here, that they know to call the fire department and not the executive director. (laughs) (laughs) So at least I can do for whoever many years down the road comes to succeed me. And part of that is about having a strong leadership team so that the organization isn't wholly dependent on anybody. So if you were going to give advice to somebody who's just accepted maybe their first job as an executive director or they're stepping into a new organization, what advice would you give them? It is as bad as it feels. Being an executive director is an impossible job because it's actually not one job, it's many. And so the first thing you have to realize is that you're going to be wearing so many different hats and not only what you do matters, but I think the way that you approach it really matters. So if there are any techniques in terms of breathing and managing stress, I can't overemphasize how important it is to be centered in yourself. That's number one. Number two is that you have to be yourself in the job, even though the board will have different expectations of you than the staff. And you might feel that you have to choose between the two. You know, the third way is what's the way that feels right to you. So understanding your gut, because Mm -hmm. most of the decisions that we have to make are, you know, what I call uh, feces sandwiches, which is (laughs) um, you're going to take a bite out of it and you're just not going to be happy no matter which end you bite. And other people aren't going to be happy either. So you have to really lean into the longer term vision of, of what's right. And it's hard to do when you just start. I've heard a few executive directors say that it actually takes three to five years. (laughs) Would you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree. It took me a little bit longer. It definitely takes three to five years. And after that point, you begin to understand. Well, the other thing I think is also important is that people don't always realize this, that the organization does mold itself or reflect the leadership, whether you like it or not. It reflects the good parts. It also reflects the bad parts. Mm -hmm. And so another challenge, if there's something that is really not working in your organization, the first step is to say, how am I enabling that? How am I making that okay? How is my management team making that okay? And do I really want to change that? And what am I going to change in my approach if I want the organization to change? Vince Warren can be found online on Twitter at Vince Warren or at the Center for Constitutional Rights website, ccrjustice.org. Thank you, Vince. Thanks so much for having me. 
If you are like me, you are probably listening to this podcast on your iPhone. And a lot of people don't know that you can rate and review podcasts pretty easily on an iPhone, but it's a little bit buried. So I wanted to tell you how to do that. And I'm hoping that if you like this podcast, you'll take a minute to scroll down, rate it, review it, maybe share it. So what you do is open up your podcast app library and click on the Smart Communications Podcast. You'll see all of our episodes there. So if there's something you've missed and you want to go back and check it out, you can do so there. And as you scroll down, you'll see a section that's called Ratings and Reviews. And in that, you can give us anywhere from one to five stars, and you can even write a review or you can share the podcast with a friend. So I hope if you like it, you'll take time to share it, rate it. And we're also always eager to hear what you think directly. So don't hesitate to drop us a line. You can email us at hello at bigduckNYC.com. That's hello at bigduckNYC.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices of determined nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at BigDuckNYC.com.